Kicking off our AL Central Farm previews are the Kansas City Royals, who despite not having a top 100 prospect in their system, still have plenty of talent. Let's talk about it. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked on MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, award-winning baseball writer and podcaster. Thank you for making this your first listen every single day. We're proudly part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. And today's episode is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. Make every moment more, because right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. So this Kansas City Royals farm system is really interesting, right? Both Baseball America and MLB Pipeline have put out their top 100 prospect lists in recent weeks, and neither of those lists have a Kansas City Royals prospect as a top 100 talent. But despite that, I feel like there definitely is still talent in this system I think part of the reason why you don't see a top 100 guy is because some of the obvious choices for it either haven't had a chance to really play in the minors and solidify that, or they've recently struggled and fallen back out of top prospect consideration. So looking at some of the top prospects, your number one in the system is your first rounder from last year, catcher Blake Mitchell out of Sinton, Texas, I believe. Only got in 13 games in rookie ball. And this is a situation, like I was just talking about, where he hasn't necessarily had enough time to play in the minors to show that he could be a top 100 prospect. He went 5 of 34 in his 13 games. 17 walks to 14 strikeouts. So more more walks than strikeouts. The plate discipline was there. Stole a base, but wasn't necessarily able to get a lot of hits, hit for power, things like that. When you look at what he does... One, as a catcher, he's considered to be very good. He pitched in high school, and so the arm is like a 70-grade arm, right? Very strong, very accurate. The pop times are very good. Some of the numbers that I've seen sit somewhere between 1.8 and 1.9 seconds, which, granted, those were high school times. I don't know if those were laser timed at a showcase or if those were in-game competition, but if those are the correct pop times, those are accurate. Those are elite level numbers, right? And if you think about it, pop time is actually a combination of the time to get out of the stance and for the ball to get to second base. So having an incredibly strong arm obviously helps with the pop time, but he's pretty athletic as well to to get the ball, the release out on time. Speed wise, not much to talk about. Uh, He stole one base last year, but clockwise, it's below average speed offensively, left-handed hitter. You don't see a lot of lefty hitting catchers, so that's always a demographic you like. The raw power looks to be pretty good. The issue is he has to make, he has to just get better contact at all. And it feels like it's not isolated to any one specific thing, right? It's not necessarily he struggles with with fastballs up in the zone or he struggles with breaking balls down and away. It's just a general having to get better at making contact. And I'm I'm hesitant to go to say that there's any sort of significant flaws in Blake Mitchell's contact ability simply because, again, 
13 games in rookie ball is all we've really seen. If he can make contact at an, honestly, at an average level with the probably plus raw power that he has, I could see him playing his way into the backside of the top 100 by the end of the 2024 season. Another guy that probably could have been a top 100 prospect, if not for some physical issues, since it's not injury, but left-hand pitcher Frank Mazzucato, first rounder in 2021 out of high school, 21 games last year between single A and high A. So Columbia Fireflies and then the Quad City River Bandits. Two and nine with a 4.65 ERA in 93 innings, 130 strikeouts, 12.6 per nine, 267 walks, 6.5 per nine, and 12 home runs allowed, which is 1.2 per nine innings. The issue for Frank Mazzucato is he's listed at 6'3", 190, but reportedly, according to Baseball America, he lost 15 pounds during the season. And because of that, the fastball velocity backed up to somewhere between 88 and 90 miles an hour. And obviously, that is not nearly high enough. He did he looked a lot better in single A than in high A, but obviously, if the weight game's con- con- continuing during the season, that's something where you'd expect the numbers to be worse in the second half at the higher level because the velocity wasn't necessarily there. Now, some of the other stuff is good. He's got a, a, a curveball sits in the high 70s, really promising pitch, uh, mostly a vertical breaking pitch. He's got a, a change up in the low 80s, good fade to it. It's all going to come down to, one, throwing enough strikes. He's had it like 60% strikes last year. And then two, figuring out that physical development piece figuring out, putting on, and maintaining the weight over the course of a full season. And this is one of those things we talk about, the adjustment to professional baseball, the adjustment to being a professional pitcher, the length of the season, the physical exertion required. I'm not saying he did anything wrong. This could be outside of his control. For all we know, he could have some sort of medical condition that prevents him, that's making it hard for him to keep this weight on. I remember stories from the NFL where there would be a player who would find out they were lactose intolerant because they were trying to use protein shakes and smoothies and things like that to put on weight and couldn't do it. Uh, I remember situations where a guy would find out he was diabetic and that was why he was losing weight during the summer and things like that. I'm not saying any of those issues are what Frank Mazzucato is dealing with, but there oftentimes it's very possible there could be something causing this. I'm sure the Royals are going to figure it out. And once they do, provided Mazzucato can maintain and then add a little bit more velocity to that frame, you would hope, I could see how, again, because of the polish on that curveball and what I feel like is a pretty decent changeup, he could get into that top 100 conversation with a fully healthy year in high A, the Quad City River Bandits, with them by the end of the season. Third prospect in the system here, I'm going to go with Caden Wallace, the third baseman, Drafted the second round in 22 out of Arkansas. Not everybody has him here, but I'm going to go with him as the number three prospect in the system. 130 games between high A and double A. So just under 570 plate appearances. 255, 331, 414. 13 home runs, 47 extra base hits, 54 walks to 117 strikeouts, 18 to 24 on stolen bases. I don't necessarily know I mean, it feels like he's going to be a third baseman eventually for the team. The uh, the arm is plus, the defense is above average, the speed isn't necessarily that great, so it's something average, I think, at best. 
despite the stolen base numbers being okay. And so I feel like it's something that very much profiles as a third base on every respect but the power. And the powers, it's really much, it's really gap power over homer power. So he's a little bit outside of the archetype for a third baseman. But the contact ability is there. Full season contact numbers of 75%. And it went up in double A. Granted, smaller sample size, but it went up to 80% contact rate in double A. And if he's able to continue doing that, you could very easily see him later in the year next year getting a chance at third base. I think uh, with his hands and stuff like that, if he had to kick into something like second, I think Caden Wallace could do that as well. Really interesting kind of player for me. In just a minute, let's talk about some of the players you're going to see in 2024, including my personal favorite from this system. We'll do that next right here on Locked on MLB Prospects. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. The things that bring home the winning trophy are also what keep your vehicle alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're looking for speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. They have over 122 million parts, so you will always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay's guaranteed fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your vehicle every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your vehicle alive and humming at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions do apply. eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. Okay, so looking at this uh, Kansas City Royals system, a guy, you did see him last year. And you're going to see him some more this year. He got 19 games last year, batted 323. Infielder Nick Lofton, first rounder in 2020 out of Baylor. And had a good year in the minors when he was healthy. 82 games in AAA, about 350, 360 plate appearances. 270, 344, 444. 14 home runs, 27 extra base hits. 34 walks to 47 strikeouts. And 6 of 10 on stolen bases. Some things he does well, some things you could see improve. I think that power is never going to get really above average, right? His average exit below was 88. His average was 103, right below the MLB average. I don't think you're going to get anything amazing for power out of Nick Lofton. But his contact ability is really good. And some of the scouting reports you'll read, I think Baseball America is one of them, said that it's like maybe slightly below average or average for the contact ability. But the numbers don't necessarily bear that out. He had an 82% contact rate and a 90% zone contact rate in AAA. Now, the chase is, there's some chase. He chases like just over 30% of the time. But to me, a guy who's making 82% contact and 90% in the zone is probably better than a 45 or 50 grade hit tool. So I'm a little bit higher on Nick Lofton than I think some of the other uh, prospect outlets are. Uh, He played mostly third in the minors, a little bit of second. When he got to the majors in those 19 games, again, he batted 323, but he played first, second, and third. And I think that's his true role on this team, a utility guy who can play multiple positions. He can rotate through whether you're giving guys, you're rotating guys into the DH spot for a day off or you're covering for injuries. I think he can play almost anywhere in the infield for you. 
He could probably, if you needed them to, probably cover some outfield innings, but you've got guys you could call up like a Tyler Gentry to do that. And either way, Nick Lofton should be a valuable piece. I could see him as the poor man's Chris Taylor, right? Right-hand pitcher Mason Barnett. This is a guy, if you've listened to this show for a while, if you've been an everyday or you've heard me talk about Mason Barnett before, big Mason Barnett fan. 2022 third rounder out of Auburn. There's the connection that turned me on to Mason Barnett. 23 starts last year between high A and double A, and most of these were in high A. Six and seven with a 3.30 ERA and 114 and two-thirds innings. 137 strikeouts, so 10.8 per nine. 250 walks, 3.9 per nine, and five home runs allowed, so only 0.4 per nine innings. Things he does well, he hammers the strike zone. It's like a 60-something percent strike rate, strikes thrown rate. Uh, Baseball America called it the best fastball in the system, sits in the mid-90s, touches 98. I'm assuming they have some other metrics on the fastball that I haven't seen as far as how much uh, induced vertical break it gets and things like that. Because from a solely velocity standpoint, yes, touching 98 is great, but there has to be other stuff under the hood for them to call it the best fastball in the system. But either way, still a good pitch, could stand to locate it a little bit better when he misses. It feels like he misses over the heart of the plate. Obviously not a place you want to miss, but I do like Mason Barnett's fastball. Uh, The changeup sits high 80s. He really only throws at the lefties. It's got some good fade to it. Uh, so not used all of the time, but I think it's probably his second best pitch. He has a vertical breaking curveball in the mid 80s. He's got a sl- uh, so the low 80s and a slider in the mid 80s. And these two sometimes really blend together. The slide it's and it's the slider's fault. The slider usually sits mid, sometimes upper 80s. And when it's a really good pitch, it can get chased out of the zone. But when it's not necessarily a great pitch, it blends too much into the curveball shape and velocity. So work to differentiate the slider from the curveball, work on the fastball command, and if you're going to miss, for the love of goodness, stop missing in the middle of the plate. But Mason Barnett, to me, is a really intriguing arm that I think isn't talked about enough in this system. I think he made the backside of the top 10 for Baseball America's uh, prospect list. Maybe Pipelines isn't out yet. I genuinely considered having him at number three. That's how good I think Mason Barnett is. I think he's a little bit underrated. Some of that could be the personal connection I have. I watched him dominate in college uh, against UCLA in the in the postseason. But either way, I think he's a great pitcher, and I think he's a little underrated in the system. Uh, a couple other guys. Lefty Anthony Vinziano, 2019 10th rounder out of Coastal. Got like two innings last year in relief at the majors. But in the minors, 26 appearances, 25 starts. 10 and 5 with a 3.55 ERA and 132 innings, 127 strikeouts, so 8.7 per nine, 48 walks, 3.3 per nine, 14 home runs allowed right at one per nine innings. Everything's solid here. Nothing's necessarily amazing, but everything's solid and he throws a ton of strikes. The fastball sits low to mid 90s. It's about 15 inches of induced vertical break right there around average, but it also gets a good 10 inches of arm side run. You like that? The slider, it changes in shape. I don't know if that's on purpose or not. When it's a slower slider, it's sitting low 80s. It looks a lot like a sweeper. When it's a firmer one, it's coming in the mid 80s and it's got some late break to it. Again, I don't know if that's on purpose or accident. It's an intriguing look. Change up, 
uh, mid 80s has some arm side fade. You'd really love to see something that kind of maybe was a vertical breaking pitch. I think there's a little bit of work you could do there if you wanted to. But again, he throws strikes. Everything's solid. Could see him in the major leagues, either back into the rotation or a long man out of the pen as soon as 24. And again, he did make it up for two innings last year. Two runs allowed, but no earned. Two walks, a strikeout, and two hits and two and a third innings. Uh, right-hand pitcher Chandler Champagne. Uh, this was the Andrew Benatendi trade with the Yankees. Uh, he was a ninth rounder and 21 out of USC as the University of Southern California. 25 starts between high A and double A, most of those in double A. 11 and 8 with a 333 ERA. 135 innings for Chandler Champlain. 125 strikeouts, so 8.3 per nine, 243 walks, 2.9, uh, and 16 home runs allowed. Fastball sits mid 90s, touches 98. Slider. In the mid-80s, not a true sweeper-ish. Yeah, I think you could slow it down a little bit. You could make it into a true sweeper. But he's got a, a, a vertical breaking curveball that goes along with it, upper 70s. Changeup sits in the upper 80s, clear fourth pitch. Uh, a couple things you can work here. I think the sequencing, it's gotten a lot better, but he can still continue to improve the sequencing and how he mixes in those secondaries. Uh, and then the changeup. If you can get some more velocity separation from the changeup to the fastball, Again, oftentimes it goes upper 80s to mid to low to mid 90s on the fastball. So you're looking at five, six, seven miles an hour. If you could get that to 10, I think it'd be really promising. But another just another arm that you can see the tools are here. You can see you've got multiple velocity bands. You've got multiple directions. Just a little bit of work to do to fine tune everything. See if you can get that strikeout, strikeout rate up from eight and change to somewhere around nine or better, but he does also get a lot of ground balls off of the slider and the curveball, so you like that as well. In just a minute, let's talk about some of the lower-level prospects to watch. We have a couple guys, one or two of them have not played yet, and a couple of these guys could explode if everything goes right in 2024. We'll do that next, right here on Locked on MLB Prospects. Final segment of Locked in NBA Prospects here on Tuesday, talking about the Kansas City Royals. A uh, lot of guys to like in here. I'm going to try to squeeze all these guys in. Catcher Ramon Ramirez, 41 games in the DSL last year and looked very polished and advanced for the age, right? 334, 440, 615 slash line. Eight home runs, 17 extra base hits, 21 walks to 18 strikeouts, 6 of 10 on stolen bases. I admittedly have not seen a ton of his defense. 24 games at catcher, 16 at DH. Reliable video from the DSL is not necessarily a thing that's easy to get. But I will say the numbers talk about how polished he is as both a hitter for contact and for power. Zone contact in the DSL of 90%. 90th percentile exit below of 103. Just above 103 is MLB average. So he's hitting MLB average. 90th percentile exit below in the DSL. Now, caveat of the pitching isn't necessarily great usually in the DSL, but still, it feels like a very mature approach as far as uh, watching what he's trying to do with the plate. He's not chasing a ton. Another guy that, if he comes over stateside, can replicate these results. And a lot of people who don't spend a ton of time scouting the DSL can see him and how good he is he could absolutely climb into a top 100 prospect. Right-hand pitcher Blake Walters. 
Second rounder out of high school in last year's draft. Did not pitch in in, per, in a, an actual game after the draft. But interesting characteristics here. So he's 6'4", 210, but it's a very low release point. Lower than five, lower than five feet. It's a lower kind of three-quarter slot. So because of that, he gets good extension on the fastball, and it's a low vertical approach angle. You remember the vertical approach angle is because the mound is elevated. So it's the angle, it's the downhill angle from the release point to the strike zone. The flatter, the closer to zero you can make that approach angle, the harder it is for pitcher for opposing batters to pick up the fastball and the movement. So, and, so your induced vertical break will play up with a low vertical approach angle. Blake Walters, in the showcases, had pretty good induced vertical break. He was throwing mid-90s fastballs, and they were getting between 18 to 20 inches of induced vertical break. And again, 16 or so is average. So he's getting practically elite levels of induced vertical break. He also had almost a foot of arm side run. So you've again, you've got really good, you've got really good characteristics around this fastball. The slider's a sweeper in the low 80s. He threw a few change-ups during the prep process in the low 80s. I have not seen very many of them. And so I don't necessarily know how much of it is run versus how much of it is vertical drop, right? Because depending on what he's doing with that changeup, you have some arsenal tweaks you can do to make this whole set even more filthy, right? If it's a, if it's a classic arm side running changeup with some, some fade, so it, it runs and it drops, I think giving him some sort of vertical breaking pitch, something like a, a curveball, would go really well. If it's a changeup that kind of drops and does that stuff, then you have an option. Maybe you want to give him a cutter. Maybe you want to give him a two-seamer to try to replicate some of the run. But again, the four-seam fastball does run in. You've got options here. I'm really curious to see more about the changeup. I want to see him in affiliated ball next year. Shortstop Austin Charles is a potential breakout prospect out of this system for me. 20th rounder in 2022 out of high school. Got 71 games between rookie ball and A ball last year, just over 300 plate appearances. 239, 296, 382. Four home runs, 27 extra base hits, 22 walks to 76 strikeouts, and 12 of 15 on stolen bases. He is 6'6", 215 is what he's listed as. And despite that, looked pretty good at shortstop. The arm is plus. Uh, he played 21 games at short. He also played 37 at third. I absolutely think if you had to move him to third base, it would not be a problem. I think he could stick it short. Obviously, it's a much higher uh, bar to clear defensively to stick it shortstop. He may eventually move to third, but there was some hope that he looked good enough where he could at least stay at third at short for a while longer. The issue here is his contact rate. 67.5% contact rate for Austin Charles. And it was a multiple different types of pitches that he struggled with. He struggled with elevated fastballs. He struggled chasing sliders and curveballs off the plate. And you have some work to do to figure out the contact ability and, and get that contact rate up. Now, if you can do that, there is plenty of power potential here. Again, he's 6'6", 215. There's plenty of raw power there. If you can fix some of those contact issues, even if you just increase it 5%, get it into the 70s, 
Austin Charles is a guy who could absolutely explode next year. And again, could be a guy who could be a top 100 prospect at the end of the day. So really curious. A guy that was consensus a top 100 prospect and really struggled because of ultimately a flawed change in his approach is Gavin Cross, the first rounder in 2022 out of Virginia Tech, the outfielder. He got 94 games in high A with Quad City, so just over 400 plate appearances. Batted 206, 300, 383. 12 homers, 36 extra base hits, 42 walks to 113 strikeouts, 23 to 26 on stolen bases. When you watched Gavin Cross last year, it very much looked like he was trying to hit a home run every single time he went to bat. He was selling out for power. And so the contact rate got hurt, a not nice 69%. You know he can do better than that. Now, some of the reports we got, Instructional League uh, work like that. Some of the reports we got were that he started to get back to a more standard approach. This is going to be a big year for him to show that Last year was a fluke and ultimately a mistake. I should not be trying to hit home runs every time I go up. I should just be looking to make quality contact and do with it what he will. The speed isn't necessarily amazing. It's average or so speed, but he's really efficient when it comes to stealing bases, 23 to 26. So I think if he just leaned into making quality contact, he'd rack up plenty of doubles and would still be a threat. And maybe the power ceiling's not necessarily where you want it to be. Now, The issue with that approach is he then becomes very out of uh, profile for a corner outfielder. The arms above average. He mostly played center last year, 88 games in center, four and right. But the lack of that top end speed makes me feel like you're usually going to be able to find a better center field defender than him, and he's going to end up in a corner. I think the arm's good enough for right field. But again, now, when you move from center to a corner, Ideally, you're bringing more power production to offset the, lo- the lesser demand of defense you're being asked to give. So it's a really interesting kind of line to walk for Gavin Cross, but he really needs to figure out, he needs to have a good 2024 and figure out what type of player he wants to be. A couple other really intriguing guys in this system. Uh, Ryan Pitcher David Sandlin, 11th rounder out of Oklahoma in the 2022 draft, got in 14 games last year between single A and high A, and most of those were in single A. 4-2, ERA, 66 and two-thirds innings, 87 strikeouts, 11.7 per nine, to only 18 walks, 2.4 per nine, and nine home runs allowed. 60, 60-something percent strike rate, like 67, 68% strikes. Walks are low, walked less than 7% of batters, Really good called strikes plus whiffs, like one of the best of the minors, over 30%. The stuff is just good stuff, right? Fastball sits mid-90s. He can touch 97 with it. If there's a criticism of the fastball, though, it's that when he misses over the heart of the plate, you would much rather miss high or miss outside than miss over the heart of the plate. It doesn't consistently elevate when he tries to elevate it. That's something to be mindful of in 24. But slider... Sits in the mid to upper 80s. Not a true sweeper. It's sweeper-ish, but still good. The changeup sits in the upper 80s. It's not a splitter. It's splitter-ish. Interesting characteristics on the slider and the change. They They move a little bit unexpected, but it's not easy enough to just classify, oh, this is a splitter. Oh, this is a sweeper. They blend some stuff from different pitches. Also has a curveball with some two plane break. 
Haven't seen a ton of those. Think that's something that could be improved. But this is just something, the fastball location, working on that, and then just getting some of these pitches to be a little bit uh, cleaner and more crisp. I think a lot of that could absolutely uh, pay off in the long run. Another guy that's really interesting, watch him, came out of the third round last year, Hiro Wyatt, the right-handed pitcher. Fastball, ton of life to it, sits 97, a lot of movement up in the zone. Slider's absurd-looking slider. It's mostly horizontal. It's got some some two-plane break, really, but it's mostly horizontal in the low 80s. He's got a cutter in the upper 80s. It's very similar movement. Obviously, it's a lot shorter break, but very similar movement. Uh, early the sweeper, and then it just stops. Uh, has a changeup. The arm speed matches really well. Doesn't throw it a ton. Like the tools, like the stuff here. Curious what's going to happen. We've got two dart throws for you. Third baseman Trevor Warner, right-hand pitcher Shane Panzini. So Warner, seventh rounder out of Texas A&M last year. 31 games in A-ball, 354 with eight home runs. Powers of absurd. Small sample size, but 90th percentile exit below of 108. The arm at third is a me- is a cannon. If he can stick at third, that arm is probably close to a 70 grade and a legit weapon. He got better at contact in the minor leagues versus what he did in college. He was 72% contact rate in college, 79% in the minor. So hopefully, ideally here, if that's not just small sample size fluke, He's, this is a guy who could quickly climb through the system as a power-hitting third baseman with a massive arm that can help you on defense. Shane Panzini, fourth rounder out of high school in 2021. A little bit more work and projection you need here with 3-11 with a 5.29 ERA and 97 innings pitch. But it's a fastball-slider changeup combo. Fastball sits in the low 90s. You need some velocity there. Uh, change-ups in the high 80s, I think that's the real big place he can improve is getting that 10-mile-an-hour separation between the fastball and the change-up. They disguise. It's just a matter of uh, you want it to be coming in the little more velocity separation so that the swing is a swing is an early swing and miss versus found it off with some late contact. And then just throw more strikes. So if he can do some of these things, could shoot up the rankings next year. Tons of fun. This system really enjoyed looking at these guys. Really enjoy the Kansas City Royals system. Stay tuned. We've got another one of these shows tomorrow uh, talking about the Chicago White Sox. So hope to see you then. Until next time, remember, it's always a great time to pay a minor leaguer. 